Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I want to talk to you today about coming close to the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the relationship and the role of the Holy Spirit last week and how important it is that we have a true relationship with the Holy Spirit and that God the Father has given us God the Holy Spirit on those that are children of God, those that have come to Christ, those that have come and been rescued by Jesus Christ now have the gift given them of the Holy Spirit. This is God's doing. And uh, he gives us the Holy Spirit. It's great that you're saved, but now we have to walk. And so Jesus came to redeem us, but now as we move into the New Testament, as we move into the book of Acts, we see the church start to come alive and walk with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to just walk in salvation. I'm saved, I'm justified, I'm forgiven. No, no. Now you're supposed to walk in power. Now you're supposed to walk as a spiritual being anointed by the Holy Spirit to understand spiritual truths. And church, can I tell you, sometimes these truths are very deep. They're not caught by the mind. They're caught by the Spirit. I have, to, I have to have this thing unpackaged to me by the Holy Spirit. But as I get it, I begin to walk deeper in the Spirit, in the spirit realm, the Spirit things. Amen? So my, my, my life and my family and my future is not just in the natural, it's in the supernatural. I pray in the Spirit. I have faith for things that God has shown me, a vision and a mission for my life and for my, my family. Amen? And, and so I'm, I'm not a little boy in the spirit realm. I'm becoming a man. Amen? I begin to understand deeper and deeper spiritual truths. And I begin to walk in a place that God wants me to walk, where I actually pray for things to happen. Pray for people to get healed. Pray for miraculous things to take place. And can I tell you something, church? You may need a miracle someday. Amen? When you're lying in that hospital bed, you may need a miracle. See, everybody wants a miracle until it comes time to figure out, oh, wait a second, if you need a miracle, it's because you're in trouble. <laughs> Amen? But God doesn't leave you as a little child in the things of the Spirit. He teaches you how to pray, how to be bold, how to have faith, how to move in the Spirit realm. And this is done to us and through us by the Holy Spirit. Not by your intellect, and not by your salvation, but by walking with God now as you become mature in the things of the Spirit. How many want to be more mature in the things of the Spirit? See, as I become more mature in the things of the Spirit, I become less immature in the things of the natural. I'm not a little baby. I'm not, I'm not jealous of every turn. I'm not envious. I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. I'm not unforgiving. I'm not critical. I'm not, all these things in the, in the natural, I become more mature in the spirit and I begin to put away those childish things. Amen. But the fact that the Holy Spirit is given to us is not something that we can neglect. It's not something that we can take for granted. And it's not something that we can just uh, be okay with being confused about. I really don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. Once I was blind, now I see. That's all I know. Well, unfortunately, because that's day one. You're going to live on day one? 
or is God going to bring you a little bit further where you begin to understand spiritual things? Jesus told uh, uh, Nicodemus, you're a leader in Israel and you don't know this. It's not good to not know anything in the spirit realm when you've been saved 10 years. Amen. But a lot of times the devil works overtime to confuse the church about the role of the Holy Spirit. And he tries to confuse you about the role of the Holy Spirit. And so we're trying to help straighten you out through Scripture to show you that there, there is a now role of the Holy Spirit in your life. He is God on the scene. He's God on your life. He is the Holy Spirit in you and with you now. And so I need to not be confused about that. Because the devil is trying to rob you of the relationship that you would have with God. He's trying to rob you of the stability that you would have in the Holy Spirit. He's trying to rob you of the wisdom that you would have in the Holy Spirit. He's trying to rob you of the joy, of the peace, but also of the power. Also of the power of the Holy Spirit. That you would not walk as a conqueror. You would not walk as somebody who has faith. You would not walk as somebody who has vision and mission where you can, you can, you can count on God because you know he's never failed you. The devil wants you to walk in confusion so you don't know, I don't know, hey, you don't know, let's just, I don't know what we should do, I don't know, let's move there, I don't know, pick up stakes, let's get out of here, I don't know. See, but, 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 but instead, no, no, wait a second. I know, I know what God wants me to do. I can sense what God wants me to do. I can feel that God wants me to have faith for this thing. That does not come from your head. That comes from the Spirit of God. And the devil wants to confuse you about that. You have to understand, you are spirit, soul, and body. Until you come to Christ, your spirit man is dead. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. Well, you're not dead. I'm alive. No, no. You're dead in your spirit. You are spirit, soul, and body. So, so I am a spirit being. I have a soul or a mind. I am a spirit being. I have a soul, and I live in a body. Your body still can be holy, still can be good. Your mind can be holy. Your mind can be good. But both your mind and your body have to listen to your spirit that is anointed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So my body doesn't get to tell everybody what we're going to do. All right, now I'm feeling this. I just got to have another drink. I just got to do another thing. I just got I to gotta, I gotta call that woman. Your body does not tell you what you're going to be or do. Amen? It tries to, but my spirit is in charge. Not very many amens there. I guess you guys can't relate. <laughs> well, let me just... Let me just tell you, that's how it is. Look to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman, and he talks to her about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. He talks about this relationship that you're going to have, and he talks to her, you know, in the future, this is going to happen. And he says this in John chapter 4. He says, whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And he's talking about the Spirit of God, a, a welling up of the Spirit of God from within me. And if you just keep your finger there and we, you know, move over to John, the seventh chapter, we read this verse last week. I'll read it to you again. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this, he meant the Spirit. 
So Jesus is telling this woman that you will have water that is gushing up from within you. If I give you this water, you will have everlasting water in you. And by this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And we know that uh, in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell in a powerful way on the church. Going back to John chapter four, he's continuing, continuing this conversation with the woman. And he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the father seeks Verse 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, this is a very key passage in the New Testament. You have to understand what, what, what Jesus is telling this woman is how things are going to be. God is spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. And, and true worshipers are going to be those that worship God in spirit and in truth. I want you to mark this down in your memory because I'm going to talk about it in a, in a few minutes. But we worship in the spirit. This is a very key. And we worship in truth. You know that the songs that we sang this morning were truth and you sang it. You sang it over your life. You sang it over your future. You sang it over your family. And, and, and you sang words that were true. Power. And so we might not understand all this, you know, cognitively. We're just lifting our hands and we're singing what's on the screen. Do more than that. Worship in the spirit. Worship these words that are true. Yay and amen. So powerful that the angels in heaven are singing holy, holy, holy. True words have never been spoken. They're surrounding the throne and they're Worshiping God by saying, holy, holy, holy. And we sang that this morning. We joined the angels, do you know? And we sang truth about who God is. And so we know that in Acts, in the, in the second chapter, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon those that were in the upper room. And they began to speak with tongues. They began to speak in a heavenly language. They began to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The, the Bible talks about this amazing wind that came with uh, tongues of fire that rested on all of them. And this was an, a, a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. This was the beginning of the things of the church of the New Testament. You and I are of the church of the New Testament. We are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not supposed to walk just in salvation. You know, it talks about in the Bible where uh, Apollos knew only of the baptism of John. He knew only of the baptism of repentance. He did not know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Aquila and Priscilla had to, had to expound unto him more perfectly the gospel, which includes the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Don't be confused about the role of the Holy Spirit. He's not supposed to be way far away up in heaven somewhere. He's supposed to be in me and on me and with me and all around me. Can you say amen? Can you shout me down, you Presbyterians, you? We see John in the uh, book of Revelations. He says this, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. We see this happening now to the apostles and the disciples in the New Testament that they would begin to now walk in the Spirit. 
so that they would not fulfill the desires of the flesh. They now are walking with the power of the Holy Spirit on them. And John is saying this. He's saying, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. I want you to, I don't want to get too, too far down the road here, but it's, it's so interesting that you hear God when you're in the spirit. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard the voice of the Lord. A lot of times people want to hear God, but they don't ever come into the spirit. They don't ever, they don't ever seek God and enter into the spirit realm. Where now my ear, my spiritual ear is open. Because I'll tell you, if you are. Now, this was an amazing revelation that John had. I mean, it went on for, you know, all, all, all the different uh, visions and dreams and everything that he had in the book of Revelation. But it begins by being in the spirit. God will show you things, but you've got to be in the spirit. And then we see in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter 14. He says, I will pray with my spirit. We could say it this way. I'll pray in the spirit like John was. I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit. I want us to mark these in our memories as well, because I want to get back to and talk about what praying in the spirit is, what singing in the spirit is, and what worshiping in the spirit is. But we must have these three elements if we're going to step into the spirit realm. Okay, because you can't get there just by reading the Bible. You can't get there just by trying to ascend mentally. You have to be able to come into the spirit. And God wants there to be a direct connection between his spirit and your spirit. He wants there to be a direct connection. He wants there to be a direct line, a connection. You don't have to go through a, 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 a pastor or a church service or a Bible study. You can connect directly to God. Now, those things are good, but God wants you to connect directly to him. Can you say amen? amen. I want to show you this in the Old Testament. We said last week in 1 Corinthians where the Bible says that um, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But we see this in 2 Chronicles Solomon's temple had just been built and they were moving all the furniture items and everything into the temple and they were uh, 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 anointing and blessing all the different things as they moved them into the temple. And as they did and as they were arranging all this and, and doing sacrifices and so forth, they began to worship. And so this, this set of verses is so powerful because it, it is a New Testament example in the Old Testament. Remember I said, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, this is Solomon's temple in the Old Testament, but it is a vision or it is a foreshadowing of who it is you are. All right? And so this is in the Old Testament. It says, the trumpeters and singers joined in unison as with one voice. There's so much here. There's so much here about unity and having one voice. To give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, other instruments, See them up here? Other instruments. They raise their voices. I'll tell you, a quiet church is a dead church. The angels are not quiet in heaven. Amen? They raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang. Remember I told you about worship him in truth? They sang this. He is good. His love endures forever. Now, can I tell you something? I don't have time to get into this. This would be a six-week series about talking about the most 
foundational truth that all of history is showing, and that is that he is good. He is good. That's why he, that's why he loves. That's why he sent his son. That's why he came after you. He is good. The devil says he's not. The devil says we can do this by ourselves. The devil says we don't need him. I want you to know that is a lie. He is good, and his love endures forever. Why this is so powerful, and again, I could do a six-week series on this to show you from eternity past to eternity future, the overarching truth that God is showing to us, even with the cross, is that he is good. Let me just take one more second here because I can tell you don't believe me. Let me just. You are not. That's the other side of the truth. I am not. Come on, if you gave me everything and said, Pastor Steve, you know the Lord. You've walked with the Lord all these years. You've been such a good. We want to anoint you as the, as the king of the world. Here's everything, make the decisions. You know what I would say? All right, I think I got this. <laughs> I give myself about six months before I start to mess up. And say, no, nah, no, nah, let's do this. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, bring some of that over here. I give myself about six months. Maybe it's more like six minutes. But we are not good. No one is going to come and rule the earth that is not completely and totally God. Amen? He is good. We are not. Thank the Lord. Come fill me. More of you, less of me. Why? Because you are good and your love endures forever. And they sang this. And then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud. This is, again, a New Testament showing in the Old Testament of what really happens when we worship in spirit and in truth. I hope you're getting this. You need this. You need a cloud to come over you. You need a cloud of God's glory to fill you. Amen? And the priest could not perform their service because of the cloud. It was so thick. It was so overwhelming. It was so powerful and beautiful. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. The glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. You are the temple of the Lord. This is a picture of the baptism of the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament that God comes and fills us with his glory. Powerful. So as a, as a New Testament Christian, I will continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And why is this important? Why is this important to us? Because I never want to walk as a Christian that's dry, that's empty, that's just in my head, that's struggling along, that's trying to do the do's and not do the don'ts, you know, and taste not, touch not. I don't ever want to walk as a Christian by, by just trying to be a Christian all on my own efforts. I need the infilling of the Holy Spirit, God, to come. This is why it's important. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the cloud of God's glory to come on me and in me. I need that as a New Testament Christian. One more example in Exodus. God was telling uh, Moses, I want you to make the anointing oil. And it was a special oil, a special perfumed oil in the Old Testament 
that God said, I want, I want you to make this, Moses. And then he says this in chapter 40. He's talking about the anointing of the priest there. He says, dress Aaron in the sacred garments, which they had sewn, and anoint him and consecrate him so that he may serve me as priest. Now, when you are anointed, when you are anointed, God said to pour the anointing oil over Aaron so that it runs over him, down his face, down his clothes, all over his clothes, down and dripped off of him, even to his feet. This is what anointing oil looks like. This is the picture of what God wants to do with us, with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, in our lives. Pour over me, Lord. Pour over me, Holy Spirit. Pour over me. Anoint me. It's a very powerful concept we see here. It's throughout the Bible. But here's where it begins. In the temple with the priests being anointed. And then verse 14, bring his sons and dress them in tunics as well. And anoint them just as you anointed their father so that they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to me a priesthood that will continue for all generations to come. I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to walk as a dry Christian. I don't want to walk as a, as a you know, taste not, touch not, handle not, for the Scripture says. I, I want to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. I want that anointing to be on me. And can I tell you something, men? That anointing will be on you as you go to work. That anointing will be on you as you speak to people. That anointing will be on you. You don't have to conjure it up. You don't have to work it up. It's on you. It's on you. You're going to go to work, and you're going to go as an anointed person. You should never be ashamed of the fact that you are a Christ follower and that you are anointed by the Holy Spirit and that when you speak words, they're not just any words. That's why the Bible says, be careful what you speak. You know, be careful of your tongue. Can I just t tell you, for me, I worked at A.T. Cross, and I knew when I went there that I had to let people know right up front, I'm a Christian. I love God. I believe the Bible. I believe everything in the Bible. Now, I don't know what today's rules and regulations are in workplaces, but I had a giant Bible. I brought it in in my Bible case zipped up with all kinds of markers and highlighters and pens and everything. But I walked right through the company with my Bible. Why? Because I was going to my office and I needed my Bible to be there. So it's a giant Bible. Make no mistake, it is a Bible. It's a Bible. I'm a Bible-thumping, holy-rolling Christian. <laughs> I love the Word of God. I believe every word in it. And so I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power to set men free. I'm not going to be ashamed of this thing. And, and so if you don't like it, that's you. It's not me. People say to me, well, if it works for you. Yeah, it does, actually. If what you're doing works for you, going to the bar, trying to pick up chicks and doing all this kind of stuff, and you're already married and you get three other kids you don't even know about and all that other stuff, and you're broke and you divorce five times, if that works for you, that's fine too. This works for me. I once lived that way. I got rescued. Now I believe the Bible. And so I had all kinds of people that would say, you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me. 
And then I would say, well, you know what the Bible says? Oh, now you go to the Bible. And I said, well, you asked. You asked me. You want to hear it? I'm not, I'm not into pounding something into you. You asked. Start to walk away. No, no, no. What does it say? Well, I'll tell you what it says. You know? And so I would always have these kind little arguments here and there with people and so forth. But I would tell people privately when I was getting stuff out of the vending machine or whatever and the guy was over here next to me, I'd say, you know, God knew you when you were a little boy. He loved you. Get my thing. <laughs> Walk away and say, get him, God. Zap him, God, tonight that he can't sleep. Those words keep ringing in his head. Get him, God. Don't let him go. Go after him, God. Get him, God. I pray he doesn't sleep tonight at all, God. <laughs> but you know what would happen? People were like, oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. Until they found a, a lump in the wife's breast. And then they would come up to me and say privately, hey, Steve, I know you pray, and I know that you're a Christian, so if I need you to pray for my wife. You know, and you say, that's why you're anointed. That's why you have the Holy Spirit on you. I'm not here to fight. I'm not here to be contentious. I'm here to love. I'm here to be a representation of, of Jesus Christ. I feel like I'm anointed. I feel like God has put a touch on my hand. I will pray. But, but don't think you're going to do that if you're not anointed by the Holy Spirit. You're just a dry Christian showing up at work like everybody else. But in the back, way in the background, you got a, 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 a relationship with Christ at church once a week that's very dry. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Preach it. Give it to us. Look, I'm here to start trouble. I don't know about you. <laughs> but I want to get back to these three things. Praying in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit, and worshiping in the Spirit. Some of these things have, have something in common. These three things have this in common. Uh, number one is that the mind is not the key. God loves your mind. God loves the fact that you're intelligent. God loves the fact that you're an analyst. And he loves, the, or a creative person, whatever. God loves how your mind works. He gave it to you. It's a gift. But it is limited in its ability to, to gather and, and perceive and conceive of the things of the Spirit. These things are too deep. And so when we, we talk about how to access the Spirit of God, your mind kind of has to align with your spirit. It can't take the front row because it's limited. God loves intelligent people, but when the intelligent shows up front and says, everybody, uh, I'll, I'll figure this thing, it's too limited. This, this is what happens when you're going to access the Holy Spirit. Sometimes your mind will get in the way. And then your pride has to go. If you're really cool and you have just the right chains on and just the right leather jacket and just the right sneakers and just the right walk and just the right sunglasses guess what? You, you, you might not be able to worship. You got to drop your pride and say, God, I just need you. You're, you got to be like the person who stood and beat his chest, said, God, I got nothing. I need you, Lord. Pride gets in the way. And sometimes if you're the, you know, I, sh I shouldn't say the senator's wife because we do have 
senators here or senators' husbands and so forth. But I always used to say this. Maybe I should just continue. <laughs> but if you're the senator's wife, you might not be able to worship. I can lift my hand a little bit, but I have dignity. I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm not going to be a holy roller. I'm not going to clap and dance. I'm not going to look foolish. Well, you're not going to be anointed either. Amen. You know, the Bible says when David danced before the Lord, his wife was angry at him because he looked foolish. Your pride has to go. Your dignity has to go. These, these things will, will hold you back from receiving from the Lord. And then self diminishes. I need myself to diminish and I need God to increase. Amen. So let's talk about praying in the spirit. They, they, were, they were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and they began to speak in other tongues. The, 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 the power of God's spirit came on them and what came on them was a heavenly language. It says that people from different parts of the world heard them speaking in their own tongue. But later on in the New Testament, we see where Paul calls it the tongues of men and angels. There actually is a tongue of heaven, a tongue of, of angels and so forth. And Paul says this in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And, and, and if I could just expand on this, uh, uh, go, go, go back. You, you're too far ahead of me, I think. Uh, verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. That word more is, is sometimes deeper. When you first begin to speak in a prayer language, God wants to, God wants to help you start there, but there's more coming. Your, your language can get deeper. God can, get you, can give you a worshiping tongue, a warring tongue, a tongue that, that has just faith and, and, and it can come on you. It's not just speaking in tongues like, like uh, on day one where I begin to kind of stammer with stammering lips and I could feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming on me. But now as I walk with God, the, 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 the tongue becomes more. And rather than get into that so much with, uh, with Paul here, let me just leave it by saying there's more. There's more. As you begin to exercise your prayer language and, and move in the things of the Spirit, there's more. There's deeper. There's more profound. And you will sense that come on you when your child maybe is, has some malady or some sickness or whatever. All of a sudden, this tongue comes on you that is different from the tongue that you've been just kind of dabbling with. Have I said enough about that? I think there's more. But as you pray in the Spirit, there's a flow of God's Spirit that comes on you, a flow of peace, a flow of wisdom, a flow of joy. The Bible says as you speak in a tongue, you speak mysteries. Sometimes when you're praying in your, in your prayer language or you're praying in tongues, you're praying mysteries that the Holy Spirit begins to pray through you. It is a direct purer communication, purer language. It's a language of heaven. And as I pray in tongues, mysteries now are being prayed through my spirit. I, 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 I sometimes, that's why I feel like sometimes I, I have to walk around my house to pray like the, like the Israelites circled Jericho. I want to encircle my house and I want to pray mysteries about what God has for us. 
protect us, watch over us, post angels round about us, pillars of burning fire, God. Lord, protect us. Let us be secure. Let us be safe. We come against every evil spirit. We come against spirits of, of affliction and sickness and cancer and arthritis. I don't even know what I know that I'm praying mysteries. And sometimes what happens is as you pray, you start to get an interpretation of actually what it is you are saying. And you begin to understand, I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for our future. I'm praying against sickness. But I thought I was just praying in tongues. But as you start to pray, God begins to open your spirit up and you begin to understand deeper mysteries. As you're praying in your prayer language, the Holy Spirit prays through us. A flow of strength comes on me. You know, the Bible says praying in tongues edifies the spirit or builds up the spirit man. My spirit man needs to be built up. I'm just not going to neglect it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And as I'm strengthened, I'm not weakened. I don't have the weakness. I don't have worry. I don't have confusion. I don't have insecurity. I don't have depression. As more of God's spirit comes on me, more of me begins to dissipate. More of, of the struggles begin to dissipate. Do you struggle with worry? Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Do you struggle with pain? Pain is an entity. It has a power, but not more power than the name of Jesus. Pray in the spirit against pain. Pray in the spirit against sickness. Pray in the spirit against depression. Pray in the spirit against suicidal thoughts. Pray in the spirit for your children. Pray in the spirit for your future, for your job, for your house. Amen. Pray in the spirit. I want to move on and then singing in the spirit. Paul says this to the church at Ephesus, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music or melody in your hearts to the Lord. Do you know that there is something spiritual about singing? And, 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 and it's, it's kind of a funny thing. It's not so much that God loves singing, which he does, but it's that you need to sing. You need to sing. There's something about singing, and I'm telling you, how do we connect directly to God? We have to get our spirits open. Like, it's like a flower. You have to get your spirit man open. And singing does that. And if you say, well, I don't know how to sing, or I'm a terrible singer, that's an excuse for you not getting vulnerable enough to open your spirit up and say, or sing, whatever it is. God. And, and, you know, so we give you the words here. And a lot of times, God just wants to hear your words. And so you just sing, sing in the house, and see if all of a sudden <laughs> you don't feel the warmth of the Holy Spirit. You don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amening what you're singing. You're singing truth. Amen? But you're singing, making melody. I say this especially to men, because men... Real men don't sing. Or if we do sing, it's a country song about my pickup truck. <laughs> my Ford. F-250. No. You sing to the Lord. It opens you up. The Spirit of God begins to sing through you. All of a sudden, you're having this direct flow of worship, you to the Lord. You're singing. 
you know, uh, there's so many uh, scriptures about this. Psalm 96 says, sing to the Lord a new song, a fresh song. Sing to the Lord your song. What's in your heart? Do you have any song at all for the Lord? And, and like I was doing before, just sing the name of Jesus. Just sing his name. Just sing his goodness. Sing to the Lord a new song. Glorify his name. And as you glorify him, the glory comes down. There is a reciprocating thing that happens. As you sing his glory, his glory comes on you. His glory comes in you. I'll move along. Worshiping in the Spirit says this in Psalm 149. Let Israel rejoice. You know, worshiping is rejoicing. God wants us to have a celebration. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Remember, we talked about uh, the body. The body has to participate. Dancing. Remember, we talked about dignity and the senator's wife. I am not doing that. Well, you should. You know, maybe that bun that's tightened up there with a, you know, a bungee cord could loosen up and your hair could actually come down a little bit in the, the things of God. Amen. Come on. Are you guys with me? The Bible says rejoice. You look like you're not that rejoiceful. Dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight or the Lord rejoices in his people. As we rejoice in God, he rejoices in the midst of his people. It is a reciprocating thing that takes place. We're worshiping God and God comes into our midst. Amen. And then Psalm 134 says, lift up your hands. Again, this is something that happens to you in your body but it happens to you in your spirit as well. I lift my hands. It's a body posture that says, Lord, I want you. I'm open to you. I am open to you. I am singing to you. And there is a direct connection. You want to know how the anointing comes on you? You pray in the spirit. You sing in the spirit. You worship in the spirit. Lift up your hands. And as you touch God, God will touch you. I'll tell you, the title of the message today is Come Close, Holy Spirit. And God says, this is how this works. You access the Holy Spirit. You come close to the Holy Spirit by inviting him, by welcoming him, by praying in the Spirit, by singing in the Spirit. Our worship, which is a very, very important part of our church service. It's not entertainment. It is just a platform or a foundation for you to worship. You are the choir. We're the worship leaders. But you are the singers. And if I'm leading worship and the congregation doesn't really touch the Holy Spirit, and I don't really feel the Holy Spirit touch God's people, we have not yet worshiped. Let's sing another song. Come on, let's tap in. And sometimes you'll hear the worship leaders encouraging the church. Come on, let's sing. Come on, let's tap in. Come on, let's press through. You know, in the Old Testament, they had the outer court. And then they had the inner court. Then they have the Holy of Holies. 
Let's press past the outer court. Press through the inner court and into the Holy of Holies, into the spirit realm. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.